few Bibles, if you see one around, or your own Bibles, uh, page 1176 or 1176, we will read a passage from the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 4, starting from verse 22, Ephesians chapter 4. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he might have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, Along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. I am very thankful for invitation to be in your congregation tonight, and I think your pastor is very brave to invite unknown person and to allow to be in the pulpit because pulpit is more like car we own. We would rarely share with somebody. And if we share, then we are very careful watching what's going on. And uh, I hope I will not damage any equipment. Uh, but uh, at least one person here knows me. That's a crewman, my church member. She is uh, attending your church. And somehow this is partially pastoral visit, too, to, to see how she is doing. The text we were reading speaks in many ways about text you heard this morning. What does it take to follow Christ? What do we need to do if we decide to follow Jesus? Christians overall do not look different from other people in the world. Uh, there are some who are always smiling, you know, but, but those are rare exceptions. You just, you just go in and you see that one person is always smiling, and, and, and actually it turns out that this person is a Christian. But in most cases, Christians are very serious. Maybe this would be one characteristic of Christians, you know. And I think for so many years in the church, we kind of oppressed all our feelings. 
We, we came to the church with kind of guilty attitude, you know, always sinful, always short of something. And then, of course, it is so hard in our society after so long time of being oppressed by Soviets now to experience the freedom. Uh, just freedom to worship or freedom to express your faith in uh, every place where you go. The text we are reading gives kind of more like catalog about things, what we need to do. But I want to think with you tonight more about, about clothing we are wearing, about, the, about clothes we are wearing every day. We know that there are certain professions people wear uniforms. And when I flew with British Airways, you know, you could recognize that these are crew members and this is a pilot and, and, and so on. And uh, so, some look nicer, some not. Some are very, you know, fancy uniforms, some are not. Uh, uniform has special tasks in our lives. For example, if we are seeking for the help, it would be easy to see that there is a doctor around who is in white, you know. We would not mix and, and to go maybe to some other who is, I don't know, taking care for animals or whatever. Uh, but but uh, when we think about uniforms, in my time when I was in school, it was very strict code. I don't know how it is in your country. Do you wear uniforms in school? But anyway, it was kind of, you know, very strong. You needed to wear them. Otherwise, the principal would have hard talk with you. Uh, today, I think we are kind of going away from that. And even in the church when we come, I think there is no special dress code. And I was amazed to be in Crete this week on the pastor's conference and there was a dinner time. And you know, there was a requirement to wear jackets and, and ties. <laughs> and, and, and all dressed up just for the dinner. And I realized it, it's fun. You know, it's fun that... that, <laughs> that, that once a day you, you, you dress up very nicely, you know. I have church members who are wearing suits every day in their job. And when they come to the church, they wear jeans. Because they said, it's, it's more comfortable because, you know, I'm tired of suits. So, we don't wear uniforms as a Christian. So although sometimes we wear crosses or put bumper stickers with fish or with some nice uh, sentence. Like, uh, I'm a Christian, only when I'm... <laughs> And you know, it's the greatest irony when we, when we put those stickers and then we are speeding, you know. <laughs> and, and then the person behind us, I think he would say, yes, this is what I thought, the Christians are this type of persons. So, what do we need to do as a Christians to look differently? And, and this text shows us that it's actually a completely different mindset. It, it's new, it, these are new clothes. I want to say this is new uniform. Why I use this word? Because I think in uniform you have different pieces that come together. You know, either you wear uniform or not. You cannot just do, you know, half of the uniform and then, you know, shorts here. Yes? Uh, you cannot do this. Uh, when I was in Soviet army, I had very, very embarrassing experience. Uh, I forgot my belt, you know. I was wearing the army uniform and it was one of the major penalties. When you go to the city, you know, if, if the patrol would stop you for not wearing belt, you know. You would be dismissed from the city and you would maybe sit for 15 days penalized, you know. And, and when we read this text, I think we very often are tempted to, to just take one piece out of it. But let's take this as whole and let's think a little bit about different 
pieces or different parts of this uniform we are as Christians are required to wear. And you know, if we wear this uniform, we are different. We are different. We are becoming like white sparrows in, uh, in this society, like in our society. It, it's the part of our calling. And sometimes we are very frustrated. We think uh, it will be difficult. It will be difficult because people will watch very closely how I live, how I speak. And the first thing what Paul wrote in verse 25, he says, speak the truth. Speak the truth. Lies are part um, of our old clothes. And we get used to them. And um, sometimes it is part of our society to, to live in lies. Most of the advertisements, they are lies. But somehow we believe them. We pretend that we are not believing. But you know, when you see one, the same advertisement seven times in the evening during 20-minute broadcast, or, or, and you see it year on, you know, then you realize, yes, there is something catchy. Something, but on the other hand, it's just lie. You know, this is not the truth that one washing powder is better than another. Maybe, maybe. It's very hard to speak the truth because some verses before in 4:15, Paul said we should speak truth in love. And I think sometimes either we love or we say the truth. But those two rarely come together. And there is even even deeper issue involved. We are afraid if we will tell the truth, someday somebody will tell the truth about us. And who would like to know the truth about ourselves? I think we are kind of isolating ourselves as much as possible not to hear the truth. And sometimes, I think when Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts, it's in a very gentle way how Holy Spirit speaks the truth. It's not like, you know, hammering on the right side, on the left side, and saying, you know, maybe saying right words, but with wrong attitude. Paul encourages us to, to be trained in truth-telling because we are together, we are one body. I think it's one of the hardest illustrations in the New Testament, thinking about the church as a one body. Because our bodies work naturally. You know, if I, would, if I would think what's going on in my body right now when I'm preaching, you know, how the all impulses go down and up and so on, I would not be able to speak. You know, I would be so amazed how everything works together. But if we are one body, I think we need to, to find a way how to tell truth to other person. Because sometimes his or her spiritual growth depends on that. And we are, I think, in many cases, we are so polite, we are not saying anything. But we are seeing, we are seeing that person is kind of drowning before eyes, before our own eyes. Uh, and he has a problem, or she has a problem. And, and we are afraid to tell the truth. But in order to tell the truth to others, we need to hear the truth about ourselves. And I think only when we heard this truth from, from the lips of God, from, from the Holy Spirit, about ourselves, we could go and speak the truth to others. Because this changes whole issue. And 
we are no longer tied up in lies. But, uh, it's challenging, isn't it, in today's society to speak the truth. To speak the truth when husband speaks the truth to, to his wife and, and vice versa. When we speak the truth to our children or, or they speak the truth to us. And it's very difficult. But this is just one part, one part of the of, of new clothes we, we need to wear, of this new man or new self, what Paul asks us to do. The second one is honesty in working place. When you read uh, verse 28, and and besides, you know, when we are not telling the truth, we quite often get angry. I think there is connection between verses when Paul is saying, "Do not become angry," because. When I'm not telling the truth, then, you know, problems start. I start to, to hold a lot of emotions, and then at some point they are just breaking um, away from me, and there's like volcano. But the secondly, honesty in working place. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he might have something to share with those in need. One of embarrassing experiences from my young Christian life. I became a Christian when I was 14. And during summer holidays, I was working with my dad in a furniture factory. And, and you know, in those times, everyone was stealing. It was part of mentality. Because no one cared. You know, it was Soviet Union. You know, it all belongs to us, you know. And, uh, and, and the place where I was working, of course, it was the nice place where they made furniture, but they did for themselves as well. You know, trucks and trucks got what they made for themselves, for furniture. And no one cared, actually. So, one, one summer I decided to, to prepare material. I wanted to, to make goal for uh, ice hockey. Now, it was, I like to play and I thought, it, it will not take a lot of effort and it will not be expensive at all, anyway. So, I did and I wrapped nicely and I was ready to carry this package home and voice from from my father's uh, fellow worker came, a very nasty voice, and he said, did they teach this in the church? He, he meant stealing. And I was embarrassed. I thought I would rather, you know, disappear for a moment, because he kept saying this whole summer, you know, three months in a row, every day when we met, he kept me teasing and saying, you know, yes, you Christians, you are not different from, from those others. You are stealing like others and so on. And, and I kept saying, I'm sorry, but it didn't help a lot in, in that moment. You know. When I think about stealing today, uh, the closest I go is the, you know, in Latvia, the software for computers. It's very expensive. And if you know that there is place in Riga you could go, it's like black market, and you could buy for a very cheap price any software in the world, uh, it's big temptation. It's big temptation. And, and probably music CDs as well, you know. Videos, you could get everything two weeks before premieres already. And, and this, is, this is sort of feeling. We say, wait a minute, we have small salaries and, and software prices are like yours here. And it's just a small excuse to do this. And I sometimes joke that in heaven there will be special room for those who are stealing CDs and softwares and and I, I don't believe in purgatory, but I think this might be, you know, some, some room, you know, to, to spend some moments meditating how was it in the past. 
But, but Paul is saying, do not, do not steal. Do not steal. Uh, you need to work. You need to show that as a Christian, you are an honest worker. And again, it's so difficult. Sometimes people use their company phones, you know, to do personal things. I, I received recently email from my friend, and it was quite short. At the end, he wrote, I'm sorry, I'm writing from my working place. I shouldn't do this, so I will call you later. And it was so nice, because it's one of the problems that I'm struggling, because quite often church members call you from their offices, and, and they want to chat with you, and, and you realize that you are kind of involved in all this. It's kind of stealing, in a way. And some people would never say it's stealing. They say it's the part of the package we receive together with salary. But, anyway. Anyway, it's so important, the working ethics. How, how we work as a, as a Christians. The person who steals thinks only about himself. But when we honestly work, then we have a lightness in our heart to share with others. Because we know it's not stealed thing. It is honestly worked. This money is clean. Uh, there are a lot of jokes about uh, very rich people in Latvia who are coming to the church and give big money to offering plate, hoping that their business will go better. And um, there was a joke about one man who was driving near the church, but he didn't want to come in because they were offering offering boots near the church to, uh, and he just drove and put the money in and 100 meters further his car crashed. And then he saw in the mirror that there is another person, very uh, rich, coming to the same boot to put money in. And he was shouting back, please don't put, it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. But sometimes we, we are People are using this as an excuse because they feel guilty about money that is not really clean and they want to wash that money in the church. The next thing Paul says is blessed speech. Blessed speech. Verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So, we could spend hours talking about our speech, about our language. We almost every day lose the battle with our words. We forget that uh, words injure faster than heal. And even if we remember that, it's so difficult to resist temptation to speak bad things. It's, it's so natural, you know. It seems that we are most educated people speaking bad things about others. And, and it comes so naturally out of us. It's a real struggle in our lives. It's a real struggle because uh, it's so hard to say encouraging words. It's so hard to say encouraging words in the right moment to the right person. Uh, Sometimes after the church service, people come and greet me and, and they say nice words. And Some of them are nice and some of them are very nice. And some of them are very, 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 very nice. And then you just realize that they are only from outside nice. 
that this is just, you know, some cliché, what you need to say. You, you are not to say, minister after the service, you know, it was the lousiest sermon I heard in my life. You know, that he will be in depression for next two weeks, and maybe the next Sunday it will be even worse. But, but what to do if there is nothing good? It seems that there is nothing good to say him. Yes. So, hi, how are you? Those would be quite nice words. But, but still, Paul is talking about something other. He's saying, building up each other with, with good talk, with encouraging words, with words that come in right time. And uh, I have one friend, uh, she is the church member. She said she was in once, once in the church service and she was very upset about music. She didn't like praise songs and, and, and she, she said that she isolated herself completely that God would say something to her. And, and seeing that service ended and she was quite happy that she won that battle because uh, she, she controlled the situation. And then when she turned around to go out, out of the sanctuary, there was one old lady who said, uh, how nice that you came today to the church. It's always joy when I see that you are in the church. And she said, then I, then I broke down in tears because that, those couple sentences just completely opened me to God and I realized how foolish I was. Uh, I think we... You don't need to hesitate to say right words in right moment. Because no one died because somebody said too much encouragement. You know, I never heard, you know, the person would say, I am sick of those encouragements. They are keep coming thousands and thousands. So, I just want to hear something bad about myself. No, the opposite is true. There are so many people who are dying because they didn't hear good, good words in, in months. And, and no one approach them, and, and they feel so lonely. Some uh, survey says that in America, about 80% people on Sunday morning come to the service with deep spiritual problems. So, in UK, maybe it's 30 or 25 or maybe 10. So, but, but then, let's think about this, how important it is to say encouraging words to the person who maybe is struggling. And, and he didn't get anything from the sermon, although sermons sometimes tend to be good. But, but, but just one sentence. Just one sentence that can change his life or her life. And, and one more thing. It's a kind attitude. When we read verses 31 and 32, um, it's, a, it's so important to be kind and friendly. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander. I don't know some of these English words. Along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Kindness in words and deeds. But it can happen only when we are ready to forgive when we are ready to forgive like Christ forgave us. And I'm always amazed about Jesus' parable. He told about the person who was, who was in debt. One, I think it was, he would work for whole life and he would never pay back. And when the Lord forgave all debts and he was free, he came out and actually what he did, he acted like person who didn't receive forgiveness. 
And it's so strange sometimes in our own lives that we receive forgiveness from Christ, but we act like we wouldn't. We need to remember this, that kindness, it's, it's, it's again, it's not the nice face, it's not the smiling face all around, but it's just attitude, it's our heart. It's when we realize how much Christ forgave us. Our debt was, was very high, my debt was very high. And Christ didn't dare to go to cross and to take my, my debt and to pay it all. No additional payments. No interest. You know, this is the fascinating thing about the gospel that you don't need to spend all your life thinking how you will pay that debt back to God. But you need to spend all your life showing kindness to others who need God's forgiveness what you already received. So those are, this is the new uniform, I would say we need to wear every day. And with new clothes, sometimes we feel very uncomfortable. And and then we go home and then we change and then we feel so free. Uh, But but you know, if you wear new clothes more and more, they become comfortable. It's the question, how often do you wear them? You know, if you wear them once in a year, probably you will never feel comfortable with those. But we are encouraged to do this day by day. And I was thinking, you know, what's going on in our lives? Because so often, you know, these nice encouragements that Paul wrote, they are not working in our lives. And one option would be to say that we keep changing, you know, our new self to our old self and going back and forth. But I think this is not the gospel. Gospel doesn't say that if Christ forgave you once, then, then if you sin, then you again back in that same old place where you had been. Gospel speaks about need for cleansing our sins. And the closest I could go is that when our clothes are dirty, we need to wash them. We need to wash them. We need to see, do we have all pieces of, of this uniform? Maybe we have just one. And maybe we are the most embarrassing person because of the attitudes we have in our own life. We need to clean our clothes. We need to get rid of the old one. But it's, it's impossible to do in our own strength. It's impossible to do with, with good discipline. It's possible to do only with the help of Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit. This is the challenge. You know, there are so many books that are written in the world how to change and how to be a good husband and how to be a good student and how to be a good pastor and so on. Giving just, you know, cliches, you know. It, it could work. I'm not saying that all those books are bad, but, but, you know, they never worked in my life. And I tried to read these books with, with great motivation, you know. They will help me. I will be better leader. I will be better dad and so on. Unfortunately, never worked. And the only thing that works at the end is Christ's power. Transforming power of Christ that we need tonight. Each of us we need. Because only then we learn how to speak the truth. Only then we learn how to work honestly. Honestly not to steal. Only then we 
learn how to say encouragement. And only then we find true kindness in our lives. Every morning we dress up, unless you are working in the bed all day. Every morning we should dress up spiritually. Uh, there's nothing much to do in, during the night when we sleep with our spirituality. But every day we have special tasks to accomplish. And people in the world, they are desperate to see where are the Christians. In the real Christians. In, in new uniforms. Because in the time of trouble, they know this is the person I will seek for help. Blessings on you. It has been good to be with you, with, with lovely worship and, and with even laughing about some of the jokes I said tonight. Uh, I bring you greetings from my church and I am taking greetings from you. I think you will not oppose this. And uh, let's pray together.